Pete Callender from the Pete Callender Show podcast. More importantly, the PeteCallenderShow.com. Morning, Pete. How are you, sir? Greetings, Mark. How goes it? Oh, not too bad. Yeah. Not too bad. Just watching the rain fall. Yeah, it's like, what, 17 straight days now, I think, something like that. Right. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yesterday was yesterday was really pretty. We enjoyed, uh, yeah. we walked around Biltmore Village, uh, my wife and I, and we okay. enjoyed it. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, if you tried to do that today, you'd have to swim. True, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we fought, we uh, village after all. Yeah, and we navigated all of the uh, the gravel piles that got redistributed after the last flooding, because so, it all oh, washes great. down from like Hillman Brewery, I think, because they regraveled right. and maybe Moe's uh, Barbecue Joint. It right. all like washes down uh, <laughs> to that uh, that little triangle area where the uh, the Ash Pantry is located, which right. is, I think, the worst intersection I have ever. Right. Encountered in my entire life. <laughs> I think they just kind of threw something against the wall and went. I think that intersection will work. I think that looks good. Yeah, I and mean, then they it, walked away. It really is a testament to whatever profits that place is making. I mean, just hats <laughs> off to the entrepreneur that makes right. that place so profitable that it can right. stay in business at that location despite right. you know monsoon flooding and right. uh, no parking, no sidewalks, and uh, it really. Is it really is amazing, yeah? Essentially, being in the middle of the road, basically. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that seems to me like the kind of intersection that would get designed at a Nashville City Council meeting. It does, maybe without the, <laughs> maybe without the help of a um, of a facilitator, right? Which, Correct. as you, I mean, you and I, we've been to many, many, you know, informal gatherings together with facilitators and an agenda. That's the hallmark of every informal gathering we attend, right. I think. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. It really is. All informal, very informal. And I, I love the reasoning that if you don't hold a meeting in a public location, then it's not a public meeting. Right. <laughs> Completely redefining the term under state statute. And uh, the the kicker on it is how they went to the, the city attorney, went to the UNC School of Government expert uh, to ask her, hey, uh, does this, you know, um, retreat with the facilitator and the agenda? Can we close this to the public? Because it's an informal gathering that just so happens to take place you know, before the the real meeting, that's the meeting meeting. But then there's this informal gathering where we're going to talk about stuff and get to know each other and bond, you know, maybe do some ropes courses, push each other off of things and fall into each other's arms. I don't know. But they were they were going to have this big, you know, team building, trust building retreat. They wanted it closed to the public. And uh, he goes to the school of government expert and says, hey, can we do this uh, under the law? Right. Totally allowable. And the experts like, mm, no, you can't. And like, Okay, well, we're still going to say we can. Thanks so much for the advice. Right. <laughs> and then they it lost a, in court. <laughs> it took a judge. <laughs> you know, you got you to give them credit, though. I mean, they really, uh, they really have persistence on their position, don't they? <laughs> well, yeah, and look, I understand the, the mentality. I do. Like, I understand when you're doing this kind of, um, uh, of a meeting and you want people to speak freely, particularly politicians, uh, if you have the media there, it's less likely you're going to have them in, you know, engage each other in sort of, you know, vulnerable, uh, uh, you know, unguarded moments like they're not going to behave like that because right. the, the media is there watching. And so now everything becomes public posturing. So I get that. But on the other hand, if you're trying to build personal relationships with 
your fellow council members, the way to do that is for you to do that. Like that's that's on you. Like you ran for this office and politics right. is about personal relationships and it's on you to work with your fellow colleagues and, uh, you know, get to know them and learn a little about their history. And that just takes time and effort. Right. And you got to put that work in. You're not going to be able to hire some facilitators to drag it out of people. And so you can all learn and, you know, oh, well, we'll just get like a crash course and like, what's Mark Starling's life story? Tell us, Mark, tell us all about you, right. you know, and then right. you, you right. don't have to put in any of the work yourself. Yeah. I really feel like they just wanted to get together and play a big round of like two truths and a lie is basically what I feel like was going to be happening. Right. Well, <laughs> could you imagine also, could you imagine if there were actually somebody of a limited government philosophy on that well, body? I mean, like, no. that's the kicker on all of this, too, is that like right. all y'all basically agree on almost everything. Right. I right. mean, you're yeah. all coming out of this at large staggered election system that guarantees progressive Democrats win. So you're all of the same political bent you just differ in degree not distinction so why do you actually need to facilitate uh this get to know you session uh you know outside the eyes of the public i don't know maybe they want to talk about race and they're afraid you know white people don't want to talk about race in public uh because of what might happen to them with the you know quote cancel culture mm-hmm it's yeah, possible. That, 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 and, yeah, and well, cancel culture being what it is. Yeah, and I sympathize with that position. I do. But you can do those conversations one on one. You know, you don't mm-hmm. have to call a full, well, I'm sorry, informal <laughs> gathering with an agenda and a facilitator. <laughs> it's kind of like the union that's not a union. Yeah, that's, that's right. Almost right. It's you just know? insane. Very interesting how all of this comes together. Uh, real quickly, Pete, I really don't understand your skepticism uh, when it comes to this report from uh, the World Health Organization mm. of China. But I think I've just repeated myself there. Yeah. Um, I don't see any reason why you should be skeptical of this, because how would it come? Why would this thing come from the lab? I mean, you know, aside from like that, like all the yeah. evidence. Um, well, yeah. I mean, aside from everything, everything points to the fact that it came from the lab, not created in a lab, correct. but came from the lab. Right. Which I think is where the misconception for a lot of people is. Right. So even if I just strip away every piece of information that has been unearthed about that, that, that would lead us to believe that it came from a lab leak, even if I just ignore all of that, when China tells me that it that it did not come from the lab. The first thing I need to know is, number one, China is communist. And that's really all I need to know, because you don't trust commies. That's the bottom line. Like, uh, it's the guiding rule of life. If, it's a, if the person's a communist, you don't trust them because they're communists. And so when the Chinese communist government says, don't look at the leak theory, then I automatically say, hey, we should look at that leak theory. Because they're communists, like, again, ignoring all other evidence. Now, it's helpful that a lot of the other evidence does point to a lab leak uh, theory versus the wet market uh, theory. But, um, yeah, you being communists and the way you behave during uh, the pandemic, hoarding the PPE, trying to sell it and then giving bad Mm -hmm. PPE to countries, not telling everybody that it was transmissible between humans, even though you knew it for like four weeks. Yeah, that kind of stuff. uh, It it undermines one's credibility, even if they're not a communist. It tends to tends to rub folks the wrong way. Sometimes. Yeah. When you lie about stuff repeatedly, you kind of get a reputation as a liar. And being a communist, that's kind of, you know, part and parcel. I think the I think the big red flag for me on it was 
was, well, the only one thing that doesn't need to be looked right. into any further <laughs> is the lab. Right. Like, you know, if that right there was just kind of like shooting a flare gun up and going, hey, you should look at the lab. <laughs> right. Right. It was like, hey, uh, th- this is not conclusive, which, of course, if you look at the way they were uh, they were shepherded around in their, quote, investigation. Right. They weren't allowed right. to to interview key people. They they are like, oh, well, we don't have any evidence. Well, that's because China directed them all to destroy all of the lab samples for like weeks. Come on, guys. Like, well, we don't have any evidence. Well, there's a reason you don't have any evidence. The commies destroyed them like they uh, come on. And so, yes, when they say we should really investigate more of this wet market theory and all the other theories, except the lab leak, that's done. Totally no evidence. Let's not look at that anymore. That should tell you everything you need to know that. And also, again, communists. Yeah, right. Right. This really all boils down to one word. Communists. Well, I mean, for me, really, that. Yeah, generally. I mean, just my default position is freedom. And so if a communist says something, my default position is they're not going to be telling me the truth because they're not right. for freedom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're not an honest broker. At no. That point, for the yeah. Most they're communists. He, right. Yeah, well, that's right. They're communists. Exactly. It's right there in the name, actually. <laughs> uh, the Pete Callender Show podcast daily. You can download it. Uh, just go to thepetecalendarshow.com or any of the platforms that you might get your podcast from, including iTunes and, of course, the iHeartRadio uh, platform. You can get it right there. And, uh, Pete, we always appreciate it. Make sure you check out thepetecalendarshow.com. Also join the Patreon uh, and then just enjoy the entertainment. Thanks, Pete, Mark. We'll look forward to catch- yeah, man, we'll look forward to catching up next week. I mean, I appreciate it. See ya. 853, uh, 55 degrees. Here's weather and traffic.